Welcome back to More Than That. Before we dive in, we want to thank Chevrolet for sponsoring a second episode of More Than That. Discover how they're facilitating candid conversations that drive real change at change.newsone.com. Legacy isn't a new conversation within our communities. Generational wealth should be not just laying foundation, it should be building upon the foundation. So educating, leaving doors open, creating opportunities so that other people can also be in a position to provide. On the Johnson side of the family, we've had generational wealth before, but lost it. And so now we're in the process of rebuilding that wealth. We didn't come from money. So the conversation about money was always desperate, more focused on maintaining, more focused on paying the bills, but it was never, you can achieve wealth. While family discussions around financial planning can be steeped in emotion and sometimes shame because we don't know what we don't know, we've now begun to seek out new tools. And in this conversation, we ask, how do we create a true financial plan to build our legacy? Dr. DeForest Soares, creator of the online financial academy, D-Free Global Foundation, will give insight into financial planning and mindset management. And DJ Envy, host, radio personality, and business mogul, will share personal lessons around wealth and legacy building. I'm here with the legend, the DJ, the mogul that we all want to be. How are you? How are you doing? doing? I am doing wonderful. You know, my wife went away for like a girl's trip. So it's been daddy daycare the last 20 days. Uh, You know, I got six kids, so it's been crazy, but I'm good. I'm good. You have built so much within your family that I think you are the perfect person to talk to about building a legacy, especially as someone who started in entertainment and really figured it out for themselves in a lot in a way that a lot of people haven't. So when you started as a DJ, what was your relationship to money? Like, what were those first DJ checks looking like? Well, coming from Queens, I had a, a two parent household. I was the only child, so I was spoiled. I wanted sneakers. I wanted the newest chain. I wanted the newest jacket. I knew my parents couldn't afford it, but I wanted it. And one day I was uh, standing on a bus stop waiting to go to school. And a friend of mine pulls up in a Honda Accord. Now, when I'm a kid, a Honda Accord is like a Bugatti. It's like a yeah. Bentley. Like that was the car. Right. Yes. And I'm like, how the hell did he get this car? And I found out that he was DJing and his name was DJ Clue. He was my neighbor. And all these years, I didn't know that my friend Ernesto was DJ Clue. And when I seen all the records and the money he was making, I said, this is what I want to do. And I tell everybody, when I came up, everybody was DJing, right? And I said, well, what's going to make me different, right? So they all catered to the streets and the, oh, I'm catered to the streets and the, and the dogs and, and the real dog. And I said, well, I'm going to be a little different. I said, I'm going to cater to the women. At first, promoters, nobody wanted to hire me. Okay. And what wound up happening? My party got all the females in it and your party got a bunch of dudes. So what those dudes are doing, we go on an Envy's party. <laughs> and, you know, I, I helped pay for myself to go to school and pay this. And my parents never had to send me money for school because I had had my own stuff. So I was I was good. I was happy. I was like, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. And so you have now this empire. When did you have your first meeting or who gave you that great, great piece of advice that inspired you to build the empire that you have now? Maybe the early foundations. It was no inspiration that made me want to get into, you know, building businesses. It was two things. One, fear. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So most people have fear of sn- uh, snakes and spiders and mice and whatever. My fear was being broke. That's always been my fear. And not because of myself, because I have so many people relying on me. So that was my biggest fear. My mm-hmm. second thing was I would always see my favorite celebrity back then going broke. They repossessed their car or they were foreclosed on their home. And I never wanted to be that. I never wanted to be the guy that made money and spent money and bought all these things. And then you look back at his life and then he died with nothing or died losing his stuff. Wow. Like, What did your parents teach you about money? Did you have those conversations early? My parents never taught me about money because I don't think they necessarily understood that much about money. My parents never really invested in anything. They kind of just, you know, work all their life and, and get their retirement. Mine came from making it work and making money early. Like so, so much at one time, so much money was coming in. You just had to figure it out. Like it was like, well, what am I going to do with this? Do I claim it? Do I not claim it? And I had to go through those hiccups and those uh, messed up accountants and not knowing where the money's going and trying to figure it out and bad investments. And then I looked up one time and the worst thing that could ever happen. And I think that happened to anybody is when you start getting those IRS letters and them IRS letters. And when they come, they keep coming and they don't stop coming. And that was probably my main thing to make me really look at accounting and, and finances a lot more to see what I'm doing. So what steps did you take? What was, did you buy like a book? What was that first step for you to get into understanding your money for yourself? I realized that I needed a better accountant, an accountant that I can speak to more often. This accountant I speak to probably maybe every other week. Love He's that. a part of my life. He's a part of what I do to the point where when I'm buying something, I call him like, hey, can I write this off? How can I write this off? What do I need to do to be able to write this off? Is this beneficial for me? No. All right. Keep it moving. That's so fire. Okay. I'm I'm going to hit you on the side about this accountant if he's still taking Absolutely. clients because I need friends like this. Mm-hmm. Now, so I'm sure you're used to answering this, but what steps do you recommend our communities take, especially, you know, Black folks in this time right now to really be educated more on the topic of wealth? I would say the first thing is don't take the easy way out, right? The mm-hmm. easy way out is usually the one that's going to cost you the most. Meaning, you know, you hear, you hear all these get rich uh, quick schemes and, wow. and that's what you have to be careful of, right? One, I would say do your homework. When I was a kid, I didn't have the internet as free as we do now. Yeah. Two, I would say patience. Mm-hmm. None of this happens right away. None of this happens right away, you know? Um, I tell everybody my first check in mutant on a radio came probably about four years ago. And I've been doing radio since I've been probably about 24 years old. My first check came. Everybody who's been filthy rich in this, in this industry, in this world, in this life, took that jump with nobody mm-hmm. believed. And sometimes it, it's believe in your heart. Uh, I love that. So believe in yourself. Don't shy away from the homework and take your time. And that's another thing. It's, it's also we have to teach our kids. So like I, I tell my daughter and my son all the time. I don't care what you want to do as a living. I just want you to be happy because that's something you can't take back. When I go to work and I do this, I'm happy. I wake up every morning at 4 a.m. and I do that work and I, I sit with crazy people, Charlemagne, but I enjoy it. I'm happy. Like it's, it's my peace. And I tell my daughter, I don't care if you want to do nails. Let's say you, you want to do that. Hey, dad, I want to do nails. All right, cool. Do what makes you happy and let's figure out how to make it a business. If my son wants to do, you know, sanitation, that's fine. Whatever makes you happy, but let's make it a business. Let's buy a bunch of trucks. You know, let's buy a bunch of nail salons. And that's what we have to start thinking, because at the end of the day, you want to be happy. And speaking of your children, how does DJ Envy define legacy? And what does that mean to you? What does that look like in action? You know, at first I thought legacy was money. 
right? I thought yeah. legacy was a long lasting line of money. But as I get a little older and I see those kids smiling and for me is 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 legacy is teaching them the right way and having a mark on your community that is positive. Mm. That's nothing to do with money. That's to do with when people come back and be like, I know your father and your father was this type of man. I know your your you know what your father did and it was that. That's the type of legacy that I want to create. One way or another, we're going to make a way. Our ingenuity is unmatched and our knack for providing for ourselves, there's nothing like it. From Black Planet to TikTok, from Dial Up to Web 3.0, from Ferguson to Tulsa, from Rosewood to Greenwood, we create wealth for ourselves and future generations on our own terms. Candid conversations in our community are key because financial freedom helps us find new roads. Learn how Chevy is creating space for real talk that drives real change at change.news1.com. I feel so good to have you here today, Dr. Soares. And we are about to get into a really awesome conversation. But to set the stage for our listeners, tell us your name and what you do. My name is DeForest B. Soares Jr. My friends call me Buster. My enemies call me Buster, too. (laughs) I am the retired senior pastor of First Baptist Church in Somerset, New Jersey. And I promote a brand that has a curriculum and a strategy called D-Free. And my goal is to help as many people with emphasis on Black people uh, become financially free. Mm. What a beautiful goal. We thank you so much for that. You talk a lot about us being woke and broke. Woke and broke. When did you realize you needed to have your financial house in order before leading others to do the same? Well, I realized it when I was an activist and I was always broke. Mm. As an activist, I was right hand to Jesse Jackson working for Operation Push, but I paid my bills late, checks always bouncing, and didn't have any savings, any insurance. And so my lifestyle contradicted my image. Mm. But when I was 31 years old, my father's mother died in Brooklyn. And when she died, she left three houses paid for free and clear. A black woman in New York in the 20th century, six children. She had an elementary school education and she sold dresses for a living. But she also invested in real estate and she owned real estate. And she put all three of those houses in my uncle's name, my aunt's name and my name. And all three of them were worth more than a million dollars. And so when at my grandmother's grave, I promised God, I promised myself, and I promised my grandmother that if my Black grandmother could leave us assets when she died, knowing that all I'd have to leave at that point was credit card bills, I had to change. That was the moment that you asked about when did I realize I could do better. What a way to point you in the right direction. I mean, goodness gracious, what was the first thing you did to get you back on a path towards financial freedom? Well, generally, the first thing I did was to change my lifestyle. Mm. I had a beautiful one-bedroom bachelor's apartment full of furniture, and I drove a luxury car. And so the first thing I did was I broke the lease on that apartment and Mm. moved back to my mother's house and slept in a sleeping bag for six months. Took all of the money that I had been paying in rent 
and use that to start paying down my debt. Wow. I paid off student loan debt, car loan debt, furniture debt. So by the time I got married, four years after my grandmother died, when, when my wife and I went to see a realtor about buying a house and the realtor said, I need a list of all of your debts, we said to her, we have none. And she said, I've never met anybody like that before in my life. Incredible. First of all, shout out to the realtor for, for, for being like, what? I never seen anybody. That's right. true. People usually have debt. I mean, there's so much that can be accrued in a lifetime, especially like you were saying in 25 years. But I think those are two major steps to take, figure out what you really don't need and, right. and figure out how to build that back up. This question is really important because we are talking about building legacy. So what does legacy mean to you? And why is it important that every person think about building their own? Yeah, legacy simply means that you outlive your life. And the fact is, everybody leaves a legacy. The question is, what legacy will you leave? Hmm. If I had died, when my grandmother died, my legacy would have been bills. And unfortunately, Gia Peppers, you know, so many of us treat life as though we're going to be here forever. And legacy assumes that you've taken your longevity seriously and you understand that this is temporary. You're just passing through. And what you leave behind, first in terms of reputation and love and relationships, but assets. My concern is what will the generation 50 years from now say about this moment in time, what will they say about us in terms of how they benefited from this generation? So that's legacy. That's what legacy is. Okay. So this question I think is really important for families having trouble with the conversation about money and legacy planning. What are some suggestions on how to get our elders to open up more about that conversation and what ways can we make sure that we are having it in a constructive way that, that doesn't turn people off to the conversation? That's a great question because intergenerational wealth requires intergenerational conversations. <laughs> if you don't have a conversation yes. about it, it's not likely you're going to achieve it. A lot of times there are issues between us in families that make it harder to talk objectively and, you know, w without any shade or drama, right? Mm. Many of us were coming up, the discussion about money was we don't have any. Well, I can't afford that. Well, yeah. money doesn't grow on trees. You know, we, we didn't have we didn't have conversations about money. We had sound bites about money. Mm. So using a third party to facilitate the conversation, listening mm. to you, listening to a podcast as a family and then discussing what they heard and what they saw. I think this is a great time for younger people to take the initiative and bring their parents and their grandparents and then their younger siblings into a conversation about money. I want to really hone in on some tools and steps to achieve holistically the financial wellness that a lot of us want. So can you share some tenets that D3 Academy really, really makes sure that people understand with regards of uh, the importance of having assets over debt? The whole D3 curriculum and process is really based on my own experience. I am not a financial expert. My expertise in money came from being broke, overspending, and paying my bills late. A lot of times we're spending money on what we want, and then we can't afford what we need. Wow. And then in our process, it's get control. You know, when we help people sometimes and we tell them to bring in 
all of their bills and all of their debt. They they bring in mail that's unopened, Gia Peppers. You're talking to me. You're talking right to me. <laughs> when you get a letter from the bank, <laughs> you know, and you know what they want. It's not a birthday card, right? <laughs> so we talk about getting ahead by doing two things, increasing your income. The second thing is insurance, life insurance, long-term care, disability insurance. You know that you are more likely to be disabled before you're 65 than die before you're 65. You organize all of your business, you develop a plan, and in our curriculum, we give you a step-by-step strategy for paying your smallest debt to your largest debt and celebrate. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you need money. It costs money to be you. you, you your hair to look like that costs money. Show sure does. And then here's, here's the part that's very important to me, give back. We want to support our institutions. We want to support our businesses. We want to support our organizations. You know, we have strategies for politics. We have strategies for protests, but we're now seeing emerging strategies around money. We never really had a strategy for Black financial empowerment. And I I love the fact in this post-civil rights era, that's what's emerging. Some of the conversations that I'm hearing about money that really excite me are conversations, for instance, around buying real estate. I love the fact that there's a renewed interest in Africa. I love the fact that we're beginning to take the stock market seriously and understand its potential. My only fear is that the conversations go deep enough to really teach the process. Our challenge, Gia Peppers, is this. Most of us don't get our financial advice from financial professionals. We get our financial advice from the barbershop and from Cousin Joe and from TikTok. You know, we we get our financial advice from everywhere. When in fact, there are people who are trained and licensed to give financial advice. I want to ask you about encouragement for the folks who are literally living in a fear or scarcity mindset. And they are just like, I never had these conversations with my parents. I've never even had this conversation with myself. I'm too scared to look at my money. What do you say to those people about how to be encouraged to start their financial journey? If I can go from where I was to where I am, anybody can do it. You have to assume that if God put breath in your body today, that God did so to give you a chance to make your today better than your yesterday. Yes. And if you wake up tomorrow, you have a chance to make your tomorrow better than your today. You can't imagine how many people are willing to sit with you, talk with you, share with you, to help you think about your options and open doors for you. But you have to be willing to get up and go. Let's face it, it is scary. We can all identify with the fear of managing our finances alone. So if you need some encouragement, know that it's okay to ask for help. Apply some of the lessons you've learned here and keep going. Thanks for tuning in and thanks again to Chevrolet for sponsoring this episode. Learn more about how they're facilitating candid conversations that drive real change at change.newsone.com.